The Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debbin. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. You know, I've had more people come up to me and say, I listened to the outdoor show and really liked it. Really? I've had four or five people that I've talked to that said, you know, I listened to the Cigar Cast, said, I really liked the outdoor show. Was it... Just the, I guess the change of venue just did something. I guess so. I guess it's just the change of venue, the change of scenery. I don't know what it was, but, or it's just, maybe it was the most memorable because it was outdoors. It could be, could be. And I'll, but let's light up a cigar and start talking about life. All right, let's do it. What are you smoking tonight? Okay, so last week I smoked a tubo of an underground. <laughs> and I see that you're uh, going back to that well. This week I really oh went big. I went big or go home. So this week I've got the Liga Provado number nine Parejo Oscuro. So this is a Connecticut Broadleaf Obscuro wrapper with Honduran and Nicaraguan filler, and the binder is Brazilian Matafina. I don't know if it's any better, but it's a lot more fun to say Brazilian Matafina. <laughs> you really feel like you're doing something when you say that. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And it's funny because the Liga 9 was the ninth blend supposedly made for um, so- Steve Saka of Drew Estate. And it was supposed to be his private label. And then it now, I don't know if that's all great marketing or if it really was that way. And I don't really care because it's an outstanding cigar. And I'm very excited to smoke this tonight. Yeah, that is, I haven't had the the tubo of that, but I mean, we've talked forever about the number nine and just how well made that cigar is. Yeah, it's just a great smoke. I haven't smoked one in a while, but I love the tubo, that rich. I mean, this one's got a little bit of bloom on the cap. Yeah, I see that. I mean, it's got that rich feel to it. I'm really excited to fire this cigar up tonight. Well, excellent. Little higher price point than what I generally would smoke. It's in about the sixteen range, right? Yeah, you know, and they, but if you're thinking about a you know a ten or twelve dollars cigar, and you're thinking, really, what would I rather do with that five dollars than upgrade my cigar? That makes a. It kind it kind of makes sense. Now you use that logic all the time, you'll go broke. But occasionally <laughs> you can use that logic. You know, should I, yeah, it makes sense. Should I have the New York Strip or the ribeye? The ribeye is a little more expensive, but I think I'll really appreciate it. At the end of the day. You know, it's not an everyday thing, but when you are able to make those kind of decisions based on that criteria, it certainly makes you feel good. What are you smoking tonight? Uh, I am headed over to the Romacraft side of the humidor, which is something I haven't done in a while. I am smoking the Romacraft Cro-Magnon Cranium. The Cranium is my favorite size of the cigar. I love this cigar, and I really don't go to it nearly enough, especially because their price point is usually around the $10 range, so they're fairly economical for as good a full-bodied smoke as it is. I mean, you really can't beat all the flavor that you get out of this Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper. It's uh, Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro, that is. Um, Cameroon binder and filler, so there's just a lot of kind of spicy sweet going on, I guess, for lack of a better description. It's a great cigar, and I just uh, I forget about it from time to time. The thing I love about the Cranium is that it's a 6x54 Toro. They tend to push the limits on their sizes a little bit. They do some unusual sizes. They do some smaller Robustos. They're not putting that. As far as I know, they don't even make a Churchill in any of their blends. Yeah, they don't. They're not a large ring-gauge cigar company. That's just not what Roma Craft is known for. But they are a great cigar company. Their cigars are always top-notch. Their construction's always excellent. 
Um, just a an all around, you know, we've said it before. You kind of know when you're dealing with a quality cigar shop when they when they have Roma Craft in the humidor because they're not the easiest thing in the world to get. And it's funny, Roma Craft. So many people treat them like their little secret that it it kind of um, takes them by surprise when you say, "Oh yeah, I smoke that cigar all the time." And all I was here last night for the poker game, and one of the guys came and said, "Hey, have you tried these Roma Craft yet?" I said, don't you listen to the podcast? No. <laughs> I said, yeah, I really like them. But, so, IPCPR is officially over. They officially, the fire, they had a fire on Saturday that actually delayed opening till I 1 o'clock. But they, and there's been a lot of great cigars come out of that. A lot of, um, everybody I know in the cigar business that's been there has been posting nonstop on Facebook. There's been a... I, I actually saw... Oh, that's what it was. Um, I was looking at attendance numbers for this year today. And they, they for the first time in a while, are actually up over the previous year. Yeah, I'm looking at the chart right here in front of me. And 2008, 2018 had 778 stores and 2,054 badges issued. Yeah. And then in um, 2017, that's it's up. 3.3% from 2017. Uh, 2016 was by far their biggest year. They had 877 stores represented in 2,314 badges. And then 2014 was 827. So this was... Um, I mean, it was, a, it was a good year. I think getting back to Vegas helped. And, you know, it just... I'm glad to see it doing well. There's, there's always a lot of concern especially with everything that's going on with the FDA. And then, you know, we heard from, from Austin that, you know, some of, the, um, some of the smaller boutiques that used to make it so exciting aren't, aren't there anymore. So it was, I, I was glad to see that it, that it picked up. Yeah, I meant to message Pedro and ask him if he went this year. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to know if he went or if he decided not to because... He spoke before about how it's it's kind of good, kind of not. And, it, you know, really you've got to go in and you've got to sit down with the owner of the store. And we go, and later on the show, I want us to talk about reps. Rep, it ain't easy. Oh, I can tell you that. And all these cigar reps, some of the stuff and, it, and the different ways they approach it. And it's very interesting and what, what turns out to be successful and, you know, a good rep can take a mediocre line of cigars and, and sell them and make them some of your favorites. It's true. And a bad rep can take a good line of cigars and make you never want to buy one again as long as you live. No, that's absolutely right. So we'll get back into that in just a little bit, but I've, I've got a special treat this week. All right. So usually when we pull our information, we're pulling from Half Wheel, from Aficionado, from a number of sources. This is from the New York Post by James Comer. It's dated February 27th, so it's a couple months old. Okay. New York is begging for a black market cigar industry. So, basically what happened in New York is their $4.4 billion budget deficit, and they tried to make that up by proposing a $1 billion tax hike increase, and part of that was on cigars. Basically, I won't go into all the numbers and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but basically, if you were smoking an $8 cigar here in New York, it'd be $11. Okay. If you're smoking a 950 cigar, it would go on up to $14. Oh, my gosh. 
So, and here's the interesting thing to me as I was reading this article. Tax increases never increase revenue. No. Especially sin taxes like cigars, cigarettes, alcohol. Yeah. People either go to a different source or they smoke or drink less. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and so why is that where the politicians go? I'm curious. Why do the politicians go to, well, let's just raise the taxes and that'll give us the money they need when it's never worked before? Why do they keep doing the same thing? You know, it, it goes to the, it looks good on paper. When Joe Everybody or, you know, Housewife Johnson decides... To, to go out to the polls and they're looking at this and looking at that. You know, uh, a tax on things that are icky, for lack of a better term. I, That's a highly technical term. It, you're very using highly there. technical. I'm sorry, I'll bring it down. <laughs> uh, but, they, you know, they look good on paper. So I think that has a lot to do with it. So it's more about image than result. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, it's like advertising tobacco on TV. And I'll, have you seen beer commercials? Who would not love to live their life like a beer commercial? Oh, I know. How is that not more as damaging or more than seeing me sit there, you know, the new Macanudo Red by... Well, I think it's so funny because in Europe, I'm, I'm, the Tour de France is going on right now. So I have a part-time job for the next three weeks, which is trying to stay caught up. And in Europe, they don't allow advertising of tobacco or alcohol. You know, there are some regulations in place here that you can't actually show them drinking. You can show the alcohol in a glass. You actually, by law in the U.S., cannot show someone taking a drink in an advertisement. Seems like an arbitrary place to draw the line. Yeah, okay, so we want the kids to believe that they're just toting liquor around? I mean, yeah, it's the... it's. It's the equivalent of how everything fades to black when two people's faces get really close in a movie that's PG-13. Right, or the Flintstones having separate beds but a baby. Yeah, exactly. And I know that, that may be showing my age, Flintstones. I'm not talking about the cereal and I'm not talking about the vitamin. By the way, great job marketing Flintstones. That 50 years after the cartoon's dead, the vitamin the and vitamin the cereal still, are still going yeah. strong. Bravo, Flintstones. <laughs> But, you know, so much stuff in life, I think people complicate life just so they feel important. And usually it's my life they're trying to complicate in order to feel important. Are we changing topics at this point, or is this still on the the syntax? So so what the the essence of the article is that there's now going to be a black market for cigars in New York. I'm really surprised there isn't already. I mean, if you look at how hard it is you know i was in new york about this time last year and there's nowhere to find a cigar much less smoke one in new york you know uh, jimmy labriola was talking about it uh, about a month ago when he was on the show with us you can't smoke in new york so i'm really surprised that the the facebook groups and all of that stuff really haven't already taken over from a black market standpoint well, the Facebook groups and just going, you know, out of the city and buying them or ordering them from Indian reservations was one of the things. And I'm not sure how that works. Let me just say up front. The New York Post, not the most reliable newspaper in the world. <laughs> and they said that people could order them online from Indian reservations. I'm not sure how that works. I don't. Oh, 
in upstate New York. I'm guessing I'm still within state lines, but not uh, subject to the same tax laws. Well, I, I bet is what they're talking about because there are a few casinos, um, some some Indian casinos up in up in the state of New York outside of the city. Oh, uh, so that so they'll still be able to sell the tobacco without the taxes and everything like that. I don't know enough to comment officially, but. If I had to guess, I'd say that's probably where that statement is coming from. We'll have to dig into that a little deeper and find out, because that's, that's an interesting thought process. Yeah. But with the IPCPR over, I thought that was interesting that New York is now trying to, you know, basically encourage black market cigar sales. I mean, look at look at prohibition, you know, alcohol prohibition. Like, it doesn't work. And I've personally spoken on this show many times, and I know you have as well, Prohibition is never the answer. Ever. No. Never works. Education is an answer. Yeah. And just, and for one thing, just keep your nose out of other people's business is a great answer. I mean, how much, and this is one of those things that drives me nuts, how much does my smoking affect your life, your quality of life, your health and well-being? The answer is none. Well... So for 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 ninety nine point nine 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 I don't have enough nines memorized percent of the U.S. population, my cigar smoking affects them none at all. None. So why worry about it if you're not me? And those same people are eating saturated fats. They're eating processed carbs. They're doing all of these things that are damaging their health infinitely more than me having a cigar ever so often or every day is doing to my health. You know, it, I don't, an obese woman yelling at me to quit smoking is really not going to work. Have I ever told you the story, and I'm really not proud of this, I, think, I don't think I've shared it on the show, and um, I think I did once and it was an episode that didn't air, so I'll tell it now. Got to tell on myself a little bit. I want to preface this story with the fact that I was about 18 at the time. So I was not the mature, responsible adult that sits before you now. I was in Waco, and I had just left the cigar shop down there. And at that old shop, you weren't allowed to smoke inside, which was fine. Didn't bother me. So what I would do is when I'd, I'd leave class, I'd go grab a cigar. I would light it as soon as I walked out of the the store, and at the time I had a convertible, so I'd just smoke it, jump in my car, go. And the shop was in this little strip mall area, and I walk out of the shop, strike the match, light the cigar, and I see this, there's a woman at the complete opposite end of the the strip center. And I swear she was 300 pounds if she was five. I, I mean... This was a rather large woman. And she comes storming up to me from hundreds of yards away. From Took her almost 15 away. minutes. <laughs> and she gets right up in my face. And mind you, all I've done is walked out of the store and lit my cigar. It's not even fully lit yet. That's how... And she just jumped... She just got right in my face and she said, You know smoking kills, right? Like, it was her mission in life to just settle my hash. 
So was she sitting in the bushes eating a can of Pringles, yeah. waiting for someone it, to come out of the cigar it, shop and light a cigar? It really <laughs> felt that way. Like, I don't know what it was that just got her... I, but I, without missing a beat, I fired right back. Soda cheeseburgers, I'll stop when you do. I'm, it was clever, and I'm a little <laughs> proud of myself for how quickly I came up with it. That being said, if that same scenario happened today, I, I don't think I would re- respond quite that aggressively. Um, so like I said, I'm not necessarily proud of it. But, but oh. yeah, it's this whole idea that, that you, what's good for the goose has to be good for the gander. Yeah, I mean, diabetes, I have no doubt diabetes kills more people than cigars. I have no doubt that, you know, obesity, that heart conditions, that there, there's a bazillion things out there killing people way quicker than cigars. Let me ask you, this is, and I know you and I agree on this, so it sounds like I'm arguing with you, but I'm not. Like, But let me ask you this. How many people do you know personally who have died from secondhand smoke? None. None. Ever. How many people, I wonder, I don't have any way of knowing this information, but I wonder how many people in this country have the words secondhand smoke as cause of death on their death certificate? I'd imagine none. I bet none. Yeah. So where's all this proof? Where's all this this secondhand smoke that we keep harping about as being why we're legislating against smoking in public and smoking outside? Show me the evidence that it's actually true, because I just don't buy it. I don't either. It makes no sense. But let's go to something happy. Okay, we've, but we've been on our soapbox long enough. We quoted the New York Post. I'll never make that mistake again. <laughs> so let's step off our soapbox and talk real quick about a cigar that I am excited to see. That kind of went, this, this cigar went under the radar. I will be surprised if you knew this cigar was at the show. Okay. The CAO Nicaraguan. In, hey, and check this out. A blue box, not orange. Hey, a blue, a Nicaraguan cigar in a blue box. That looks old school, too. Well, you know, they did the CAO Italiano and they did the CAO American and they did the, the different CAO regional cigars. So it makes sense they would do a Nicaraguan in that same theme. Yeah, but those cigars have been out forever. So it kind of makes sense. But this, I mean, that's a, that's a pre general cigar logo. Yeah. That reminds me of, like, Cigar Boom CAO logo. Yeah, this is old school. Now, this cigar will, it will have filler tobacco from the three main growing regions in Nicaragua, Esteli, Jalapa, and Condego. Okay. And then it also, and now this is the part I don't understand, it is not a Nicaraguan Puro. If you're making the CAO Nicaraguan, would it not be a Puro? Well, if you're using more Nicaraguan tobaccos than you would otherwise... I can see giving it that moniker. Well, it also utilizes Honduran tobacco from the Hamastron Valley. And if you look at a map of Honduras and Nicaragua, I bet you a mole burrowing from Nicaragua to Honduras could not tell you the difference in the soil. The soils are very similar. As someone who used to be quite a bit of a wine drinker, I can tell you that that's just not true. You'd be amazed the difference between this patch of land and this patch of land with only a street between them. It, it really, it's the French call it terroir, which is basically just the, the nuanced differences, um, a little bit more runoff from the hills, a little more direct sunlight in the afternoon, 
all of these little things actually, I mean, if you're talking, you're, you're definitely talking nuances here, but it makes a difference. I, I firmly believe that. Well, and it's interesting because they're talking here about um, Rick Rodriguez blended this, the CAO master blender Rick Rodriguez, and he talked about the Nicaraguan's rich volcanic soils. Do you know how many volcanoes there are in Nicaragua active? No. 19. Oh. Way more than you would think. Yeah. I was reading that today when I was just kind of doing a little show For prep. such a small country as well. Yeah, so the wrapper is a Hamastron Honduras. The binder is Hamastron Honduras. And the filler is Nicaraguan from Condego, Esteli, and Jalapa. Um, the, I love the MSRP on this. The Granada, the 6x50, the biggest size, six ninety nine. That's not bad. They have been really hammering the budget market lately and knocking it out of the park. And general, General's good at that. I mean, yeah. that's General's wheelhouse. You know, that we Taranio t- Vault. I cannot say enough good things about that cigar. Yeah, you know, we talked about this last week on the show in so much as everybody has their wheelhouse, and that's General. You know, General is producing a $90 Cohiba. Yeah. I'm not sure that I'm going to... Cohiba's it, different, though. I, I'm going to say, you know, because we did talk about that, how this company has this wheelhouse, this one has that wheelhouse. And... General is kind of a, an umbrella. I think Cohiba plays in that very, very well. And CAO plays down here very, very well. So I don't think you can necessarily put General in that bubble. I think you have to look at their individual lines. What's your top end for a cigar price? That you, I mean, I don't know what... I don't think I could pay $90 for a cigar because I don't know what I could expect a $90 cigar to deliver to me. Because the thing is, I smoke an $8 cigar... And it gives me everything I could want in a cigar. So how do you go up from that? Yeah, how, you know, and, you know, I've had, you know, Valentine's Day. Glenda and I were down in Chattanooga at Burns, and I had a $68 Padron. It was the most expensive cigar I'd ever smoked. Um, it was great, but it was Valentine's Day. We were in the private lounge. It was her and I together. And the cigar added to that, but I don't know that the cigar... That I don't know what my expectations would be of a $90 cigar. I don't know. It would have to knock my socks literally off. I'd have to get up and put my shoes back on after I was done. So, top end, greatest day of your life, just won the lottery. So, money really is no object. I'm still not ever going to pay more than $50 for a cigar. And I can't even fathom a situation in which I pay that much. I've had some really good weeks where I've seen the, you know, the 40 or $50 Padron that I've said, you know, this was an outstanding week and this would be the per. But I'm, I'm not doing it for the cigar at that point. I'm doing it kind of to celebrate the yeah. week I had. You know, I closed out a bunch of projects that week and got a lot of things done or something like that. But I'm really celebrating the occurrence with a $68 cigar instead of just smoking a $68 cigar. Right. And I don't think I could ever be <coughs> on the worst day of my life and grab a $68 cigar and it turn into the best. No, certainly not. And we've talked about that before, too. But I'm just saying, like, if even if I'm in a scenario where money is absolutely no bearing on the cigar that I pick and I want something special and exclusive and I want something to really mark the occasion, you know... Maybe a Padron 26 number one, which is about a $30 cigar, 
that's probably about as high end as I'm going. Yeah, I had someone actually gift me a Padron 85th that was wonderful. But, you know, again, 30 bucks, eh, you're getting up there. But anyway, so we've established during the first half of the show that at our hearts, we're both cheap. Yeah. So during the second half of the show, you know, one of the questions that I get is how to cleanse your palate between cigars. And I'll, especially new cigar smokers will talk about that. And I have some tricks and tips from the masters. And by masters, I mean Nick Perdomo, Rocky Patel, Ernesto Perez, and some different things that we'll get to in the second half of the show. All right. Well, that sounds good. We'll be back with that and more after this. Trey here with this week's Cigar Under $8.00. Want to talk about an unsung humidor hero? This is the Perdomo Limited Edition Cabinet Series Petite Corona. So this is the the silver label that used to be full range of sizes back when before the champagne was a champagne. It used to be a Cabinet Series Gold label. They also had a silver label which was a Cameroon wrapper, and it was in my opinion, the best cigar that Perdomo has ever made, one of the greatest cigars that has ever been made. Nowadays, all they have left from a leaf standpoint is enough to make them in a petite Corona. So that's the only size they're offered in now. But they retail around the $6 range. And it's it's such a good cigar for that price. It is. It's a 4.5 by 44, and it's an African Cameroon wrapper. When you hear Cameroon, you know it's from Africa, which is a... It's a different flavor. Now, you know, we, we can speak about Honduran and Nicaraguan tobacco being similar, but Cameroon is a class all its own. It is, and it's one of my favorites. It's a little on the sweeter side, and I just really enjoy how well-balanced this particular cigar is, and it's a great 45-minute smoke if you're looking for something just nice and light. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I love when he points at me right as I'm putting my cigar in my mouth. <laughs> well, you always say, all right, let's get back to it. And I hit record and point at you, and, and I don't realize that you're taking a half a beat between, you tell me to go, I'm going. And uh, I'm really enjoying this League of Nine. This, you're smoking it fast. I am, It's just, but it's so good. I'm talking I mean, too much is what you're telling me, right? No, it's, it's just <laughs> it's that Parejo Oscuro is just a different flavor and like I said, I haven't had a League of Nine in a while because, and I'll be honest, it's the price. Yeah. It's when I get the Padron money, I buy a Padron. It, it, that's what keeps me away from it, even though there are days when I prefer that to the Padron. Yeah. I mean, this is performing every bit as well as any Padron I've ever smoked. Yeah. And all. It's just, but it's one of those things. It's, it's you know, we talk a lot about it, about the money. And, you, you know, this is that great time of year. Next two weeks, folks. Hit up a cigar shop you hadn't been to in a while. Hit up and see what they got on the discount table because they're all coming back from IPCPR and they're going to be making some space for some new cigars. Yeah, it's it's a great time of year to be adventurous. That is for sure. Yeah, we talked about it last week on the show about this is a good time of year to get a bargain on some cigars. And I think the next the next two or three weeks are going to be really strong. You know, I, I know Austin's already told me, you know, when he gets back, that's one of the first things he's going to do is put a lot of cigars into bags and put and, them out for sale. Yeah. I, I mean, it, you're going to see that all over the place. 
And what's really great is that you've got a, a couple of couple of companies who are a little renowned for being slow to deliver. You've got a couple that are, are known for being very fast to deliver. So it gives them the ability to kind of keep this wave going. So you're going to have an initial kind of closeout clearance, and then it's probably going to last for the next month or two, which is going to be nice. Okay, so All I'm right. very excited about this. Yeah, because it's not often I get to turn the tables on you, but I've got a cigar etiquette question for you. So, or maybe it's, this is widely known in the industry as a faux pas, and it's one that I think is bull, and I do it all the time, and I really don't see what all the fuss is about. Is there ever a scenario in which you will cut a cigar in half? No. Just from the standpoint of... I either have time to smoke a cigar or I don't. And if I want to, you know, I, if I know that I'm going to be smoking with somebody, I would rather buy two less expensive cigars and each of us have our own as to whack one and a half and try it. So let me paint a picture for you here. The other night, all the only cigar I had at the house was a Churchill. That was all I had because I wasn't at my house. So I was... It, had time for a cigar. Didn't have time for a Churchill. I didn't have two hours. But I, I had a good 45 minutes for a cigar. And I wanted a cigar because it's the end of the day, and that's how I end my nights. And so rather than skip my cigar for the day, which I didn't want to do, I wasn't going to go out and buy another cigar because it just wasn't not close enough, wasn't time, all that stuff. So I took my cutter, and I got about halfway down the barrel, and I snipped it right in half. And I smoked what would have been the foot end first. That is the, that is the key to it for me. If you are going to do that, now a lot of people will tell you never, ever, under no circumstances do that. I don't, I don't see any difference in flavor. If anything, I think the draw is a little bit better, it, looser anyway. Um, but always smoke the foot in first because then your saliva on the end will keep it from unraveling. Whereas if you smoke the other one, it'll unravel before you get to it to smoke. You know, I don't, uh, I don't look down. I don't frown upon the practice. It's not one that I participate in, but I don't necessarily frown upon if you, you know, want to cut one in half. You know, I had a friend that he acquired a really nice Cuban and him and a buddy sat there and they whacked it in half and each smoked half so they would be smoking the same thing. See, I don't do it for that reason. It's always a, it's always a time constraint for me. This also goes back to something we talked about last week a little bit, which is the lunch cigar, right? Or shoehorning a cigar into an op- when you don't really have time for one. And this is probably what I was doing. But, you know, I, I still get to have a cigar that night. Yeah, it's not, by no means is it, you know, I'm, it's, like I said, it's not something I do, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it, you know. I know there are a lot of people that get really passionate about that, though. Yeah. Nah, I'm, and here's the thing. I want you to enjoy your cigar ever how you want to enjoy your cigar. It's your cigar. Once you lay down the money, it's your cigar. I want to see you enjoying that thing for every nickel that you paid for it and for every moment of joy it can bring into your life. That, so that's really how I feel as well. Now I do like your tip about smoking the the foot end first, and you do have to have a cigar of 
pretty high quality. You know, you're gonna you you're gonna be whacking up a twelve or fourteen dollar one. You're you're gonna have a hard time whacking up an eight dollar cigar and it holding structurally. Oliva O. It was a it was a cigar under eight, and it performed like a champ. See, that's where I kind of get in the opposite side of that thing. Is with, if it's a $12 cigar, I'm not going to sacrifice it that way. Now, here's a question. Would you whack a Solomon in half and then just, because it's tapered at both ends, could you not whack it in half and smoke it? The You could smoke it backwards? Yeah. I, I think the problem you would run into there, though, is that then it would be wrapped backwards. Right. So you still have to smoke it in the correct direction. Still have to smoke, yeah, because they are designed to draw from a certain direction. They're not necessarily designed to draw from either side. Well, and more so than that, or, or just as equally as that, is the fact that the leaf is wrapped in such a way that it overlaps directionally. So, if you, if you, it's the same kind of principle as why you can let the the head of the cigar sit and wait for you, as opposed to the foot in. And so if you smoke it backwards, that, that it's just going to start unraveling on you as it smokes. But Cigar Court finds you innocent. You may continue to cut your cigars, just never half smoke a cigar, and then light it up later. Well, see, that's, that's the thing, and that's why I can't quite understand why this is so, such a faux pas. Like, what, the alternative would be skip the cigar or smoke it as much as I have time for and then put it aside. Number one, it's Tennessee. I can't leave it outside because it'll explode from the humidity overnight, not to mention with as much rain as we've been getting. Number two, I'm not going to cut it off, you know, at the base of the ash because you're still going to end up with that stale ash flavor. And I'm certainly not putting it back in my humidor. So really, it, the preemptive strike of cutting it in half, I think, is the best way. Oh, one time my wife, she was trying a new cigar and she smoked about an inch on it. And said, okay, I can't smoke this. And I made the mistake of cutting that end off and putting it in my travel humidor. Oh. And finally, I had to put baking soda in the travel humidor for several days to ever pull that stale cigar smell out of my humidor. Yeah, I think at a certain point, you just get a new travel humidor. Yeah. Yeah, thankfully, I was able, you know, old deer hunting trick. You know, if you ever get a smell in your deep freezer, dump baking soda in there. So I, I went the baking soda route and managed to get it cleaned back up. But, yeah, the, I would much rather see you cut it in half as to smoke half and potentially lose half. Yeah. I would much rather see that happen. Anyway, I just I thought about that because I know that's one particular thing that we've actually n- never covered on the show before. But as I was doing it, I was like, man, someone, it, you know, there are a number of people that would chastise the crap out of me right now if they saw me doing this. So I thought I'd bring it up on the show and tell on myself a little <laughs> bit. So reading an article this week about famous people and cigar guys and what they do to cleanse their palate between cigars i'm not sure i buy into this and you know your palate is such an individual thing it is um you know between cigars how do you cleanse your palate you know the cuban tradition is an unsweet tea um don pedro uses a seltzer water he's told me before and especially if you're doing blending but nick perdomo his palate cleanser is coffee with cream I can see that. For me, just before we jump in, you know, jump into the professionals here, for me, the best way to, to cleanse my palate is, to, is another cigar. I don't find that I particularly need a palate cleanser. 
Maybe if I were like these guys and I was in a blending room all day for eight hours and smoking a bunch of different blends and trying to... That I can understand. But if I'm just enjoying a cigar and then want another cigar on the tails of it, I don't find any need to cleanse my palate. Well, and if you're going to render judgment upon a blend, I think it's important that you have a clean palate. Yeah. You know, Rocky Patel. And our Rocky Patel, great story. Have you ever heard Rocky Patel's story? Great story. Oh, yeah. He used to come to Atlanta all the time. And so I got to meet him a couple of times, and he was hanging around shops down there. He recommends tea, but sometimes espresso. Okay. And I can see, okay, you're a former wine guy. What is the wine called that you drink before a meal that's supposed to awaken? Supposed to awaken your taste buds? Yeah. And I wonder if that would work on cigars. Uh, it, it, it very well may. I mean, the thing is, it's the same taste buds, right? Like, it's all a matter, like, it's different type of flavor, but it, you're tasting it all the same. Yeah, and it's, it's all a matter, it's also a matter of what you want out of your cigar. You know, you or I smoke, you know, tonight we'll have two cigars. Tonight, right. when we're finished with the show, I've got another cigar. We'll probably sit down and light up and we'll talk about our week and talk about our life and all that good stuff. And it really doesn't matter. I'm not, I don't need to cleanse between that because I'm not rendering judgment on that second cigar. Right. I've kind of planned it out. Yuri Golan with La Gloria Cubano. He smokes five, six, seven cigars a day at the factory. And he's straight water. He's just wash it out. I find water to be a great palate cleanser. I know a lot of people don't. Um, and it, with a little bit of lemon in it especially, which is just how I prefer my water anyway. I like a little bit of lemon in my water. And so I don't think, I think, it, like you said, it's a very, it, palettes are individualized and personalized. And I think that it's just a matter of what you like to drink that isn't going to just coat your palate. So something very heavy and viscous like soda or uh, milk, anything that's going to coat your palate, I think you want to stay away from. One of the things that, that, you know, the seltzer water, the the I, I feel like the car- carbonation there might wreak some havoc, but I can understand it because it's so light in flavor. I don't particularly care for for sparkling water, but I know a lot of people like those LaCroix. I, I could imagine that being very effective for that um, purpose, if that's your thing, but I don't like those flavors, so that's not that's never going to be my answer to that question. Well, so this is the one that really confused me, was Ernesto Perez Carrillo, and all from um, my father's, or not my father. From EPC. EPC, I mean, yeah, EPC. From his, from his eponymous, eponymous, I'm, I'm going to walk away, keep going. He, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to bail you out, Trey. He says tomato juice. Is what he uses. He says smoking skunks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he says the high acid, the high acid content content of the tomato juice, and tomato juice is high acid, and as fruit juices go, relatively low sugar. It is, and it plays into the same principle as tea and coffee. Tea and coffee are both very acidic as well. I think the golden I think the golden rule for cleansing your palate is. Low sugar, as long as you're Completely not agree. getting sugar involved. I absolutely agree. Yeah, because sugar, to me, sugar deadens your taste buds. And that's exactly what I'm talking about—that coating your palate. You know, uh, you know, beer actually is a fairly decent palate cleanser. Yeah, if you and if you like that sort of flavor. Yeah, if you, if you're a beer guy, 
you know, I've never been a beer person, so I couldn't I couldn't tell you I can I can count the number of beers in my life on one hand. The the problem is with the different varieties, you get some like like Guinness and big heavy stouts that are really sweet and very viscous. They tend to coat. And then on the other side of that, you've got IPAs that are very, very flavorful and strongly flavorful of, on their own that are going to change, modify your palate. But something like lagers and ale, some lighter stuff, back in the day when I drank, I, that, I found that that was a really good way to bridge between two different cigars if I was trying to really get the nuances and taste from it. Well, I, th- I just seen that article and thought it was really interesting what these particular, you know, master blenders, for lack of a better word, shows. You know, when we go to the barn smoker, I've got to ask that question of Willie. I've got to ask Willie Herrera, you know, what do you use? What's your palate cleanser of choice? What are you going to reach for? Because I'd be interested to know what he reached for. Because just from the blending of his cigars, I feel like his palate is probably closer to mine than any master blender I've ever met. I feel like he just, you know, if Willie blends it, I usually like it. Yeah. With very, very few exceptions. If Willie puts his stamp on it, I'm probably going to enjoy it. Because he's responsible for the Undercrown series, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He does the shade. He did the sun grown. He does, of course, the Esteli and the big brand expansion on the the Herrera Estelis coming out this year. Um, Can't wait to get my hands on some of them. we got a bunch of good episodes coming up where we're going to get to try a lot of this new stuff as it comes into the store. I am really looking forward to that. There's a lot of stuff on my radar right now. So let's talk about cigar reps. All right. And We probably should have waited until we had one on so we could... (laughs) So we could interrogate it? Exactly. It seems to me that there's three kinds of cigar reps. Now, this is just broad categories, and this is purely anecdotal. This is purely my anecdotal evidence. There's the cigar rep that is all about the business. He's, he's very friendly. He's very enjoyable, but he's all about the cigar that he reps. You know, whatever line he's repping, he is confident is the best line out there, and that's a pretty good guy. Yeah. There's the cigar rep that reps for an upscale company. We won't start naming names because I don't want to alienate anybody, and they're just guys trying to do a job, but it seems like, you know, they show up at the event and they've got on the shirt and tie and the jacket. And those generally ain't my favorite guys. Those generally guys that, you know, they're, they're making me feel like, okay, I should want from a social perspective to, to smoke their cigars. So I have a different vision of those reps in particular, because I am, I, I find, I hold professionalism in very high regard. Whether you're a janitor, a doctor, somewhere in between, uh, professionalism and pride in your work is something that resonates with me quite a bit. So, especially if you're at an event, so it's a it's an event, it, taking a little bit more time to your appearance to really put a good foot forward for your brand. I, the the tie and jacket, I, I don't think is necessarily a a, a put off for me. It just it kind of sets the wrong tone for me. Just, but that's also because I'm not a tie and jacket guy. You're far more fashion conscious than I am. I'm also I, I come from I, I've talked to a number of shop owners. You know, back when I was a rep, 
I, I had many conversations with shop owners, and occasionally they would talk about how the reps come in in jeans and a T-shirt. You know, it's a branded T-shirt. It's their line, but come in in jeans and a T-shirt. It's like, come on, have a little more professionalism, more respect, and then and the guys that come in at the very least in a collared shirt tucked in, it makes a difference. Now, that's well, not going to be every shop owner that feels that way, but I talked to enough of them for whom it was. Let's say business casual. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say business casual won't bother me. I don't feel like he's trying to, to, to portray something about his cigar to me in the way he's dressed and his demeanor. The other is my favorite kind of rep, and that's the guy that just hangs out and smokes a cigar with you. You know, we have reps that come here to this store all the time. They just hang out. They just they'll come over and sit down and hey, how you doing? And they'll sit and the, and they're to me they're the best salesman because you know the the rule in golf is you never talk about business till at least the fifth or sixth hole. And to me, they're that guy. They'll sit there and they'll smoke a cigar and say, hey, what are you smoking? You say, well, I'm smoking, you know, this, this, or this, whether it's one of theirs or not. And they say, oh yeah, that's a that's a good cigar. I really like that. What do you like about that cigar? They're always asking questions. And then if you say so. What do you have in your line? You know, because it'll lead you to say, "What do you have in your line that's kind of similar to this or similar to that cigar?" Well, it's it's the relationship sell. When I was in sales, that was my bread and butter. Is not the hard sell, not the hard close. It's none of that. It's the it's the sale based on the relationship. And I would take the time to get to know people. And with with accessories, it's a little different because you can't put something in their hand and just let them have it. You know, but I did a few times let people have one of my demos for a couple of days, and then I came back and pick it up. You know, but it's that is that establish that rapport, build that relationship, and take it kind of nice and slow. And that's the that's the difference with the kind of person that you're talking about in terms of sitting there, getting to know the people, and and really building the community around their brand. And I I really respond well to that. Yeah, and it, and that's all. And you know, if you're going to pull that off, you got to be the guy that brings the party, but to, you to don't want to be extent, over. Yeah, because I've seen that go the wrong way too, especially at events. A lot of times, cigar shops that don't have a bar will have beer or other spirits, kind of. And I've seen the brings the party guy turn into party guy, and there's a, there's a very diff, big difference there. It's a fine line, but there's a big difference between those, especially when you're representing your company. Well, and, you know, let's be honest, repping is not going to be an easy gig. You know, we had a rep come in here the other day that didn't have an appointment, and Austin said, I'm, I'm going to quit seeing y'all without appointments. And he said, I've called and tried to get an appointment with you five or six times. What's my option? Yeah. You know, when you're not responding and asking me for appointments, you know, or, or you're not, and I'm saying, hey, I'll be there any time in the next two weeks that you'll have me, and you're not responding, what's my option other than the drop-in? Yeah. You know, and that is something that you, you know, you have to think about and you have to talk about. And you, as a rep, I imagine that's one of the hardest things is how do you make that contact? Well, the parking lots to the cigar shops are paved with people who thought they could be a rep and can't. It's not for everybody. It's a grind. It's tough. It is really hard work. It's sales, which is a hard industry to be in anyway. And on top of that, you're dealing with a very small group of people, but there's it's a lot of windshield time. You're, you're not spending a whole lot of time at home. So if you have a family, it can be really, really tough. And it's, 
you you know you sit around a cigar shop, you see these guys come in and walk out with orders, and you think it's that simple, but really, there's a lot of salesmanship involved. There's a lot of relationship building involved, and most of these guys that you see that are like that have been doing this for a couple of years and have been calling on these accounts for at least six months, and they have a rapport with these guys and they have a, a history, and and you've got to put in the time, and know that. I mean, as far as sales gigs go, I I hate to lift the veil a little bit, but it's not the most lucrative way to be in sales. I mean, it's it's a great job. I loved it, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be a millionaire doing it, and it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. So would you rather, let's play would you rather for a second, would you rather be a rep for a general cigar or a Drew Estate where you have 150 lines of cigars that you offer or would you rather be a rep for a Roma Craft or somebody that only has four or five lines? Which way would you rather go? Me personally, I'd rather go the boutique route. I'd rather, you know, it's Bruce Lee's famous quote, and I'm going to end up paraphrasing a little bit, but I don't fear the man who's practiced a thousand punches one time each. I fear the man who's practiced one punch a thousand times. That I mean, that's just, that's kind of my thing, is I would much rather be an absolute product specialist expert, subject matter expert, than, than have to know a little bit about a lot. Yeah, and, you know, inevitably, if you have 120 lines of cigars, you're going to have some that you don't care for. You know, and, and that being said... There are guys out there that are repping for some of these bigger these companies with these huge portfolios, and they are subject matter experts on every single item in their line. And my hat is off to those guys. That is a lot of information, sizes, blends, MSRP, the list goes on and on. There is a lot of skill, dedication, and knowledge that goes into that. Yeah, it's a... It's an interesting line to walk because, you know, on one hand, you think, okay, more lines means you're going to appeal to a broader audience. You know, it's, you know, you, are you the kind of builder that builds one, the first time home, the retirement home, or the home you raise your family in? The home you raise your family in is going to be the, the broadest line that you're going to appeal to. And cigars are kind of that way. I think there's a, there's a lot to be said for focusing, you know, focusing your intensity on that. I, I don't know. I don't know which one I would rather be because the, the fiduciary side of me says, okay, more lines, more money. Yeah, and that's true. That, I mean, that's absolutely true, but it does become a little bit of robbing Peter to pay Paul because you've got a cigar shop owner has a set budget. You know, they're not, these guys aren't made of money. And so whereas with a smaller boutique, you get maybe a little bit better, not as good geographically speaking, but you get a little bit deeper into your line on his shelf if your product moves well. And so you get a, a better presence for, for your footprint versus as the guy who's got this massive portfolio, it's a little bit of this, it's a little bit of that. It's really, yes, because there's more things, especially when you talk about like a general and Altidus or, or one of those guys, where you kind of have to have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, m more options, more money. Well, and I think the, the Casa de Monte Cristos, the proliferation of that chain of cigar lounges sponsored by Altadis, um, kind of makes it harder for the Altadis rep to make a living because, you know, those are basically house accounts. So he's got to go to 
individual cigar lounges, which may only be 20 minutes from a Casa de Monte Cristo, and try to sell these cigars there. Yeah, knowing that his family is is encroaching on that business at the place he's trying to make his living. Like it, it, it gets tough. I mean, I, I'm, but that being said, you know, there's room for everyone to play in the sandbox. And that's what one of the things I love about this industry. It is very competitive, but at the same time, it's not cutthroat. How many times do you see a guy in here, you know, repping his wares and another rep comes in behind him and there's no, it doesn't become a pissing match. There's no marking of the territory. Everyone gets along because there's room here for everybody. And that camaraderie but among the reps is something you don't see in, in any other industry that I've ever been in. So say you have a cigar shop that just does not move your product well. How do you change that? You know, that's a tough one. Uh, if you're talking cigars, it, it's all about the event, making a presence. And, and also getting to know the people. You know, spend an afternoon in a shop hanging out with the regulars. Find out why they're not smoking your cigar. Is it price point? Maybe it's not the shop for you or for your product, I mean. Uh, is, it, is it bad humidor placement? Oh, I didn't even know we had your stuff. You know, it could be a number of things. But you and the cigar shop owner both have the same end goal in mind. You want to sell cigars. Now, you want to sell your cigars. He wants to sell all the cigars. But as long as you're both aligned with trying to make that happen in some capacity, you you can find a way to make it work for everyone. Well, and one of the interesting things that cigar companies will do is they'll sponsor a lounge, you know, Corona Cigars Lounge down in Orlando is the Drew Estate Lounge. They have rocking chairs that have Drew Estate engraved in them. You walk in, you see Drew Estate signs. You know, Drew Estate has branded that lounge a Drew Estate Lounge. Um, in Madison, a cigar room, they've branded that the Gurkha Lounge. Yeah, there's uh, R- uh, R&R Cigars in Hiram, Georgia, is both a Perdomo lounge and a Gurkha lounge. They've got a front and a back lounge, and they're both, you know, branded individually. And then, you know, you mentioned Burns and Chattanooga. Their private lounge is a Davidoff lounge. Yeah, and, and Davidoff, you know, they wrote them a fairly large check. I, I won't get into the amount because I don't have it verified. But it was definitely what I would call a large check they wrote to Burns to have a Davidoff lounge. Well, it's product placement, right? I mean, and we live in an age where direct advertising isn't necessarily the name of the game anymore. It's the more subtle product placement is kind of how people are being advertised to these days. And if you really start to take a a, a look and notice just the subtle things like the, the Ford emblem popping up on the baddies car in the, you know, in the action movie when it could have been anything, but you just so happen to see that badge, you know, those little product placements are everywhere. And so by branding yourself with a lounge, you get prime real estate visually for everyone that walks in that show, that shop to see your brand. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, that's, that's one way to do it. But we, like we've spoke about before, it's hard to throw money at a problem and solve it. It's almost always going to be the more intrinsic things you do. You know, we've, a rep for a great cigar lounge here. I hadn't seen him in two years. Yeah. And all, and his, his cigar sales show that here. You know, you rarely ever see people in here holding his cigars because he's not been here. He's not done the events. He's not shook the hands. He's not kissed the babies. He's not done the 
there's so many options out there nowadays that it's very easy to be out of sight, out of mind. It is, and it's and nothing nothing beats the personal touch. That's just life. Yeah, life in general. But had a good show tonight. I'm interested to hear from everybody, and I want to ask our listeners to do me a favor: send us some cigar questions. Yeah, it's been a while since we haven't gotten in any real cigar questions in a while. Yeah, send us some cigar questions, some things, even if it's something we may have covered on the show or we probably have, and you just want to know. Um, our opinions change. Yeah, it's true. You know, you may ask a question that we answered back in episode 32 that we, you know, we're going to answer today. So please get a hold of us on Facebook.com slash The Cigar Cast or on Instagram, on Twitter, on The Cigar Cast. At The Cigar Cast. At The Cigar Cast. And then also, if you get a moment, slide on over to iTunes for us or Stitcher or wherever you uh, find our podcast. I actually did hear from a listener this week that they're having trouble getting us on Stitcher and Google Play. I, I just... I'm going to look into that this week, so hopefully by the time this goes out, that'll be fixed. I'm not sure what the issue is, um, but if, if you do listen to us on one of those alternate means, know that we're working on, on making sure that you can find us there. But give us a rating and a review wherever you find us. just kind of helps with the algorithm, helps other people find us, uh, and we really appreciate that. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening this week, and until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.